You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. I am thrilled to be joined today by Jessica Duenas. And uh, thrilled to have you back on the show, Jessica. We always have a good time every time we talk recovery. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am, I'm, you know what? Very interesting topic today. Um, you know, we were talking about this offline, and I know you've done a lot of interviews on this lately. And mm-hmm. it's all about the sober experience in diverse communities. Um, because I think, you know, when we were talking, we kind of take for granted a lot of times that, like, oh, this recovery system set up, right? And people can go through a, a detox or rehab. And I know that that was your experience. You went through this, but a lot of times we don't talk about what actually happens, the experience that people have in diverse communities have to getting into recovery and getting sober. And it is a, it's different, right? It's different than the average person that might go through that system. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, for me, it's a really important topic to speak about. You know, I just think that when we are asking people to be incredibly vulnerable and do a lot of digging and self-work, um, it's important to see themselves represented in the spaces that they're being asked to do this really scary, brave work in. And so um, I always like to talk about being a person of color, being an Afro-Latina, being a Black Latina, because I think it is really important for um, there to be some recognition about, obviously there's a lot that runs very similarly in the human experience of what addiction is and alcoholism is. Um, But at the same time, there's certain nuances that are very specific to different communities of color that I think it is really important just to talk about so that someone who's listening to this today who might be identifying as African-American, Latino, Asian, whatever, like you realize you're not alone in this recovery struggle and that, you know, we see you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, we were talking, uh, we, we were, we were talking about this and what was interesting, Jessica, is that, you know, I didn't really even think about this because we were just talking about statistically, right? Just statistically, if maybe you're a woman and you're African-American, you're also Latina or whatever, representation-wise, that's not going to be as great no matter where you go, right? Right. Unless it's just in your community. But there's all these different cultural cultural nuances in the actual process. And I love what you said is like, look, at the end of the day, everybody is suffering from addiction. That's the common denominator, obviously, and that everybody wants to rally around, the person getting well. But there are these little cultural nuances, and we were talking about just different communities, what they will accept and what they won't accept necessarily with somebody who's coming in and getting sober. I'd love to kind of talk about some of those differences, some of the differences that you experienced when you were going through your recovery process. I know it was at a very turbulent time. And race and ethnicity was really at the high. What was really at the top of all the headlines when, when you were getting sober. How how did that affect you? Yeah. So um, one of the times that I was in treatment, as I, I was in treatment a few times, but one of the times that I was in treatment was in the middle of the protests um, surrounding the injustice with regard to Breonna Taylor's murder. And I was in a treatment facility, and like you said, right, representation-wise, numbers-wise, there weren't too many people in that facility who looked like me. And this was a residential space. Um, and I was actually, you know, we could see the news on the in the common area TV, 
And I was anxious because I was in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was a part of the African-American community there. And I knew people that I loved very much who were actively protesting, students, students' families, things like that. And when I started to talk about it, I was asked to stop talking about the topic because it was an outside issue. And to me, it wasn't an outside issue. And that that's one of the key things, right? That when we are folks in different communities, that sometimes things having to do with race and ethnicity, they're just not an outside issue because you can't remove your skin color, right? Like your skin color is what it is. You can't remove the fact that maybe your parents are immigrants. You know, certain things are a part of who you are and it's automatically seen the first thing before you can say or do anything. So for me, something that is tied to how I look, it's not an outside issue. So, and it does affect my state of mental health which is directly tied to am I drinking or not? Because my, you know, my drinking is a symptom of everything else that I have going on with me. So that can be really hard and can be a barrier for a person of color, a black person, indigenous person of color, trying to seek help in a space that is predominantly white if they're told that it's an outside issue, what they're dealing with. Mm, I love that. You know, and I know you kind of one of the that that word outside issue, Jessica, a lot comes from the 12 step group, right? And as great as 12 step is, and, you know, we talk about this a lot here on the recovered life show as great as 12 step is sometimes it's dated. Right. And I I've even heard, you know, I've worked with people in recovery who say, Hey, look, most of the book is white males, right? It's a perspective of white males, kind of the Judeo Christian view. And it is, and I, and I think it's perfect the way it is. And no one's really arguing the impact that that had, but I think, you know, how does somebody who wants to get sober that doesn't see their experience reflected in the big book, right? It's tougher. It's tougher for them. And I think one of the things that I've noticed in 12 step is even in diverse communities, when you go to meetings, they're primarily people, older white males like me that are, you know, that are running those meetings. And that's great. And I, and I, you know, and I think that that's good and, and people want to be of service. But I think it's 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 really being able to build up communities within that community, 12-step community as well, so that people that are coming in that don't see themselves, they don't hear their story, right, have access to somebody where their stories might be culturally similar. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. So where I was in Louisville, um, there was some diversity in 12-step meetings, right? So there, there did exist some affinity groups within the 12-step program that allowed folks to find others like themselves. But, you know, that's because Louisville, it's a small city, but it's pretty diverse. But, you know, if you're looking across the country and you have other spaces that just aren't like that, you know, that's going to be really hard for a person to do. And essentially what a person of color, a black or brown person might be having to do in that case is, well, do I leave my outside issue at the door because I really want to be in this space? Or do I need to seek an alternative? And I think that that's where things get tricky because, Let's say if you're in treatment, the only thing that is taught to you in treatment facilities for the most part is the 12-step program. So, you know, we know today that there's way more resources out there, but when you're in that triage state that you're needing to stop drinking to save your life, the only thing that's usually presented to you is a 12-step program, which can be incredibly helpful, 
but that's asking you to check a lot of things at the door that are not so easily compartmentalized for a Black person, a Latino person, another person of color. So, you know, I think like one thing I feel like, you know, I wish treatment facilities would open up. I know like with Recovered Life, we're starting to open up some partnerships with treatment facilities because we need to have the diverse routes to recovery, right? So that people can, if if they don't want to, which they shouldn't have to, leave their issues at the door, they should be able to show up fully as themselves and have like culturally relevant recovery experiences as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I agree with you. I think, I think the thing is with the model of a 12 step program, this is just, you know, my opinion and the, the model of a 12 step program, Jessica, I think, um, has its limitations and I understand why they don't want outside issues. I, I really do. Like when you dig into the day literature, you know, and, and I think we also have to put some perspective on this too. No one would critique a phone that they're using that was built in 1930, right? They just, they'd right. understand that in 1930, there was only so much, they, they only had access to so much. They just didn't have the awareness to have a cell phone. They would, most people thought you're going to walk around with a phone. That's going to be wired. It's like, that's just not going to happen. Right. Right. But now we know a lot. We, we, we know a lot more. And I think the, you know, the idea of not having outside issues and I, and I've seen this firsthand is that, people of different political parties will come in and they'll say things that will offend maybe somebody that wants to get sober. That's not of that political party, right? They don't feel welcome. And I get that, that the core is addiction, but also if you don't hear your story, that this has been my, my personal experience working with people in 12 step groups, if they don't hear their story, they're not going to stay because they don't think it's going to fit. And there is that story in 12 step groups, right? There is, there are people out there that have lived your life and, and are telling your story. It's just, how do you access them in the format? And I agree with you, like recovered life, we're putting together these things that are, I guess you would call them affinity groups, almost people that tell a certain type of story that, that, that can relate. What was your biggest thing, Jessica, with, um, how did you, how was your communication with this? Because I understand people are communicating to you and they're putting boundaries up saying like, we're not going to talk about this or that's an outside issue. How does the person that's recovering that is in a diverse community, what are they feeling inside? Because I think this is an important question because a lot of times, a lot of times I think people want to help, but they just don't know how to help. Right. They, they just don't know how. Sure. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me when I'm in a space and I have to silence a part of myself, the immediate thought is, well, I guess I don't matter, you know? And when, once you kind of like let that programming sink into your head, it's very easy to check out. And I think, and that's what becomes dangerous, right? Because again, if community if connection is the opposite of addiction and you're in a space, but you don't truly feel connected, what foundation are you giving yourself to fight this addiction that you're dealing with? And so I really feel like that's essentially what starts to happen when you don't see yourself represented, you don't see someone, well, even if you don't see yourself, but you don't let yourself, you're not allowed to feel heard and listened to and honored, there is that wall that happens. And then that becomes that barrier to the recovery piece. Um, pretty much. That's what I would say. I, I, you know what? I love that. When we come back from the, the break, Jessica, I want to dive into how you have built community 
because I think this is I think this is really important because anybody who's listening to this that feels what you just expressed, right? Like, hey, I walk in, it might even be therapy. Like, you know, look, I, you know, therapists sometimes are all the same, right? Like, so if they're in this situation, they're sitting there and they're like, you know what, I'm just not connecting with people. I just feel kind of like I'm an outsider. How you've been able to do it, some important strategies that you've been able to do to kind of overcome this and really craft the recovery that you wanted. So we're going to jump into this after this quick break. Are you tired of feeling controlled by disordered eating patterns? Now is the time to take action and break free from these harmful habits. Haven Joe Beck, a disordered eating coach, is here to help. Join Haven's weekly group coaching and peer support sessions every Saturday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Share your experiences, learn from others, and gain the tools and strategies you need to overcome your disordered eating patterns. Don't wait any longer to take the first steps towards a happier, healthier life. Sign up now by visiting recoveredlife.us and clicking on Find My Group. Don't let disordered eating patterns control your life any longer. Join us now and start your journey to recovery. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show. And we're back. We're talking with Jessica Duenas about the sober experience in diverse communities. Before we went to the break, Jessica, we were really talking about um, how you've been able to craft this amazing recovery and how you went through that system that maybe you didn't necessarily definitely identify with, but took the parts that work for you and then crafted something amazing. And I think what everybody wants to know is how did you do that? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, first of all, one big part of it for me was the other kind of issue that happens in our communities, right, is what we're raised up with. And what we're raised up with is this concept of we're not talking about mental health. We're not talking about addiction. You know, like, sure, when somebody might experience a crisis or we lose a loved one because of their excessive alcohol use or other substances, then we can say, man, if only so-and-so had just stopped or if only, you know, they had gotten the help that they needed. But what happens is all the time that they were struggling, we didn't have the conversation. So we didn't create awareness, one. And then B, we didn't create an environment that was safe for the person struggling to actually come out and say, hey, I actually am needing help. I'm struggling with this. So basically that's kind of like where I start, which is I decide to go against the stigma and speak openly about having had my issues with alcoholism and addiction to alcohol. And then second, work on creating that nurturing safe space for others where they know there's no judgment coming from me, but we are talking about like, what are the solutions and what are the action steps that we need to take to move forward? So when I first um, finally got a handle on being alcohol-free, my sobriety date is November 28th of 2020, um, that was the first big thing, that speaking out and speaking openly about it. Um, that allowed people to reach out to me and also me reach out to people who I knew were going through the similar thing or had gone through the similar thing. So this included people in 12-step programs. This also included me using the internet to find folks who looked like me who were going through a similar thing. So that allowed me to kind of have a nice diverse set of people that I can go to with regard to my issues with alcohol. 
the other thing too, um, I found a therapist and it was, my therapist was a black woman at the time. So I found a therapist who knew exactly what my cultural upbringing was like. So that as I was dealing with the core issues, she already knew. I didn't have to explain it to her. You know, I didn't have to do anything extra for her to get where I was coming from. So that made accessing therapy very easily. And then also, again, in terms of participating in support groups, um, a diversity of groups. In some groups, I was the only one looking like myself. And then in other groups I would participate in, there were other women who looked like me. So really, um, it did take work in terms of finding the people who look like me, but it wasn't that much work, right? Like you create an Instagram, I use the Instagram handle I already had, and you start putting in hashtags and you start looking at accounts that resonate with you and just having the courage to say, hey, I just want to introduce myself. Like I'm Jessica, I've been sober for this much time, et cetera. Um, you know, it's definitely different than just walking into a room and introducing yourself as an alcoholic. But I think that um, one thing that we need to do is trust ourselves a little bit more. And when we see someone who's reflecting something that is appealing to us, just reaching out and saying, Hey, mm-hmm. and that can lead to a really great connection that at this point, people have become my genuine friends who I've like traveled to see or have traveled to come visit me, things like that. And you don't need a ton of friends. You don't need a ton of people, but you just need a few good folks that you have in your corner. And that makes all the difference. So that's really how I made it work for me. Um, basically fighting the stigma, saying F that stigma, like I need to do this for myself to heal. Cause I don't want someone at my funeral one day saying, man, if only Jessica had, or if only we had, we're not doing if only at my funeral, like, no, that's it. Yeah. I love that. And you know, and I think we were talking to is like, why I wanted to do this episode and why I think this episode's great actually for people to watch that aren't in a diverse community you might be working with somebody that is in a diverse community. And I, I shared with you that I did about a situation that happened to me where just a simple, uh, just a simple uh, trying to help somebody who had asked for advice about how to share with their extended family that they were sober, that they didn't drink. And when I said, well, you know, do it this way or whatever, you know, what came back is, is like, hey, culturally, I can't, that that's not going to work, right? Like, they're not good. They're going to perceive me as this and this and this. And, and, and I've even noticed Jessica, honestly, like I got sober in the early nineties. I've noticed just in my family, the concept of mental health, the concept of addiction has shifted quite a bit. And I think it's shifting everywhere, honestly. And, and that's a, that's a great thing, but isn't it also how you're helping people too, that, might be in a diverse community about how they can communicate with other people. I think it's great if you're in the service side of recovery to understand what might be different about that diverse community in the communication with their family. Right, exactly. And I think also just being honest and like, if you don't know, just ask, right? Like it's okay to not know what is correct if you're open to learning. And so I think like that's the other really important part, like not making these huge assumptions about people just because they might look a certain way, but having the conversation, talking to them about it and asking clarifying questions, you know, Um, I think that that's really incredibly powerful. And that is how, you know, people in the service field around people with addiction can be helpful if they don't come from diverse communities, you know, just ask. Yeah. And I don't think you have to come from a diverse community to be of service and help. Right. Like that's the other thing too. I think the blending of all of this 
makes it really great. Honestly, it makes everybody's recovery experience great. And that that's what I love about this. So Jessica, I, I, I have to ask you here, um, as far as you reaching out and building up these kind of affinity groups of people that were like you, have you found that to be difficult? Because I know right now, there's a big move away from people loving 12 steps, but doing other things like recovered life. Maybe they want to focus on an area of addiction um, and maybe have that outside conversation. Some of the tips that you did, I know you're talking about using the internet, connecting with people, and I know you're coaching, right? You're actually also coaching in that group too. Can you tell us a little bit of an experience about what that's like in your coaching? Like, what makes that different or how you put that together in terms of like suggestions or like what we come up with when I'm working with the client to help them with yeah. their recovery goals. Abs yeah. Absolutely. Like just a little snapshot about what that coaching looks like on, on your side, because I think there's a lot of people that maybe are in a 12 step program or they're going to therapy and they don't feel that they're maybe because they're in a diverse community, they're getting help. Maybe they're sober, but they don't really feel that they're connecting on a level about certain key issues that are relevant to that. How does coaching help them on that? Yeah, so I mean, I think the really important thing with coaching is that it's so individualized and it's not a prescription. So, you know, when you look at a 12-step program, right, you have literally the 12 steps. And obviously it, there's some wiggle room in how it looks depending on like who your sponsor is or whatever. But ultimately you have like the one formula and the one, the solution. And the thing with coaching is that it's not about this one specific solution. It's also like when we're looking at drinking in coaching, we're looking at drinking as the, uh, it's a symptom of whatever else you've got going on. So essentially we're looking more so at your whole life and coming up with the goals on your day to day. Like, what is it that you want your day to day to look like that it's not looking like? And how can we get you there? Because when you're content with your day to day, when you feel good about your actual life and what you're doing and what you're accomplishing, you're not going to want to drink. So it's not so much to me, coaching with me is not about not drinking. It's about how do we make your quality of life a good one so that drinking isn't what you're going to. So we're not, you know, that's basically like the biggest focus there. And, you know, it's not prescriptive. It's not me telling you what to do. It's us looking at what are you trying to accomplish? How can we get you there? What are the barriers that are stopping you from getting there? And let's come up with ways to overcome those barriers. So I would say that's pretty much the biggest difference between working, say, with a coach like me versus the 12-step program. You know what? I've seen an explosion of uh, over the time that I've been sober, Jessica, which is amazing. I actually would say that like the diverse communities in recovery actually have really spearheaded the coaching experience because they were looking for something, right? That they weren't finding in the day-to-day -day recovery. So I totally applaud that. Now in Recovered Life, we're really trying to dial in on that to be able to provide that coaching experience. So guys, treat yourself. Jessica's got a way that you can, you know, set up a free call with her on Recovered Life. We're going to put a link to that there. Have a conversation with you. I, you know, I just look at coaching as such a time compression play, right? Instead of trying to like figure out, like I remember just shopping 12 step groups and, you know, shopping to try to kind of figure out the direction. What I really love about coaching is such a time compression that you could just find a coach that you like to work with and they could put together a plan that you can start executing 
and they can yeah. make you accountable for that execution. I just love that. Um, so mm -hmm. definitely guys check out Jessica on recovered life. We'll put the links in. Thanks so much uh, for coming on the show to talk with us about this today, Jessica. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Super. Always love being on the show. Can't wait to have you on next time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.